This is part four of our Unstuck sermon series, and we're looking at the acts of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. And so far, we've looked at the fruit of the Spirit. We've looked at love, joy, and peace, and uh, tonight, we're going to be looking at the fruit of patience. And I know some of you have really been waiting for us to get to patience, and I appreciate uh, your patience. Our theme passage through this series has been in Galatians 5, a rich, rich passage of Scripture. And so we're just going to read through this again tonight. I'm going to invite you to read with me, if you would, and uh, we'll just uh, wade into it and see what God has for us. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I want to just take a moment uh, tonight as we, as we begin and look at the phrase in there, so that you are not to do whatever you want. And the truth is, if you look at different Bible translations, you'll see that that verse can, that phrase can actually be translated two different ways. Uh, it can be read that because the flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another, that means that you're not to do whatever you feel like doing. You, you can't just fulfill and gratify the desires of the flesh. Uh, the focus is on not doing what the flesh wants you to do. And, uh, and then Paul goes on, this kind of supports that reading, Paul goes on and he lists all the acts uh, of the flesh. Let's read this verse. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And so one perspective of the phrase, you're not to do whatever you want, is that, that I want to fulfill the acts of the flesh. I'm bent toward that. I have a tendency toward that. I'm drawn toward doing the acts of the flesh. Left to myself. We made this point the first week. Left to myself, I will pursue the acts of the flesh even to the point of my own destruction. But if I'm a believer, I'm not supposed to do that. I can't just fulfill the acts of the flesh because as a believer, I have the Holy Spirit of God residing within me. The Bible says that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm supposed to honor God with my body. I honor God. I don't fulfill the desires of my flesh. And because of my faith in Christ and because the Holy Spirit lives in me, my own spirit... The spiritual part of me is quickened. It's made alive. I'm reborn spiritually when I trust in Christ. So it's not just about my flesh anymore. Uh, I have a spiritual side of me. I can't just do the bad things that I want to do. And so that's one, one side of the dilemma. That's where we get stuck in the flesh. But it's interesting because some translations uh, look at it from the other uh, angle. They look at it that because of the conflict between the flesh and the spirit, you're not able to bear the fruit of the spirit that you want to bear. 
You, you aren't able to do the good things. You aren't able to do the spiritual things that you want to do because you're struggling with the flesh. And that's the whole tension that Paul lays out in Romans chapter 7, where he says, the good things I want to do, I don't do them. The bad things I don't want to do, I do those. I, there's just this conflict, this struggle be, be, between the flesh and the spirit. And that, that's a, a, a double-edged sword because the spirit seeks to contain the flesh so you don't do what the flesh wants and the flesh seeks to contain the spirit so the spirit doesn't bear good fruit and they're contrary to one another. It's just a horrible, contentious battle that every believer struggles with. My flesh wants to act out and fulfill its desires and the Holy Spirit who resides within me seeks to, to hold it in check, and, and, and I also want to be spiritually fruitful and spiritually faithful and do all these great things for God, but I can't because the flesh gets in the way. That's the dilemma. Anybody feel that? Anybody? Good, good. Got the right crowd here tonight. So what's the solution to that dilemma? Well, in this passage, Paul says that if you are led by the Spirit, if you walk in the Spirit, if you live by the Spirit, if you keep in step with the Spirit, then you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh and you will, you'll become unstuck from the flesh and you'll bear the fruit of the Spirit. So here's a question to ask yourself. How long do you go without thinking about the desires of the flesh? I mean, that'll tell you whether you're stuck or not. And how often uh, do you think about the spirit, the spiritual side of you? That, that, that'll give you the hope that you need about getting unstuck. Because the acts of the flesh are obvious, but the fruit of the spirit... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the things that we really want to do. But we can't because of the flesh. And so understanding uh, th that battle and how to win it is crucial. Paul tells us, he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We've crucified, we've put to death the flesh. We've died to ourself, mortified the flesh. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's, it's a matter of life and death, spiritually and really even physically. Spiritually, we've got to crucify the flesh, put it to death, and we've got to live in step, keep in step with the Spirit. That's our goal. And if we do that then all the bad stuff on that list starts to fade away. We gain victory, and we begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Tonight we're going to look at patience. Patience. You know, many of the acts of the flesh show up in our lives because of impatience. Because there's patience and there's impatience. You know, in, in English, when we want to say the opposite of a word, we often attach that I am prefix uh, in order to make it, make it the opposite. And, and you, help me out on this. You, you know these. Impossible is the opposite of... Yeah, sure. Uh, improbable is the opposite of... Yeah. Immoral is the opposite of... Sure. Impure is the opposite of... Yeah. Impeach is the opposite of, 
okay? It doesn't work every time. <laughs> but in English, uh, often the opposite of, uh, of one is the other, and the opposite of patience is impatience. But many of the acts of the flesh show up in our life through impatience. I mean, what does a life look like when we get stuck in impatient behavior? When, when we don't wait, we often fulfill the desires of the flesh. Immorality, impurity, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, and the like. And one of the consequences of being impatient it can actually be a lack of fruit, a lack of, of spiritual fruit in our life. Any, any gardeners or farmers in here? Anybody, you know, grow anything here? About two of you are going to get this illustration. So, you two, listen up. <laughs> what happens when you get impatient and you pick fruit too early? What happens? Well, you don't get good fruit. And in fact, you reduce your harvest if you pick the fruit too early. Impatience robs you of your reward. That's what happens. So what makes us impatient? Uh, the Greek word there for patience as the fruit of the Spirit carries the idea of patient endurance under the injuries of others. It's patient endurance under the injuries of others. Our, our patience is typically put to test by other people. It's other people that push us to... I mean, we're content with our own schedule, our own actions, with our own pace. You know, we're happy with our timetable, but we become impatient when we have to wait on other people, or we become impatient uh, with, with when things get disturbed uh, in our schedule. It's a young family that, that consistently had trouble leaving for church on time. Uh, every, every Sunday, the mother would be in the house trying to get these three young children dressed and ready. And every Sunday, the father would be out in the car waiting for them, impatiently honking uh, the horn, because we all know how much that helps. <laughs> and so finally, one, one Sunday, the mother said to the father, Honey, how about if this time you get the kids ready and I honk the horn. Okay? You know, there, there, there are several things that test our patience. You'll have to jot these down in your notes. Four things, just jot them down. One is interruptions. Interruptions test our patience. Um, you know, you, you just become frustrated with the interruptions of life. You sit down for dinner and the phone rings. You get in the bathtub, the doorbell rings. You, uh, you know, you have a deadline and... A visitor shows up. You, you know, our best plans are interrupted, and that can be irritating. You know, Brahms' lullaby. Lullaby. Da, da, dee, 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 dee. That's the Bugs Bunny version. But it took Johannes Brahms seven years to write Brahms' lullaby. It took him seven years because he had such significant interruptions uh, in his life. That's how long it took him. Some of us think it took him that long because he just kept falling asleep while he was writing it, but he said it was the interruptions. Interruptions can test our patience. We have our plans all made. We know what we want to do. We know when we want to do them. We know what we want to accomplish, and then we keep getting, getting interrupted. And that can test, that can try our patience. 
But it's interesting, as you read through the Gospels and look at the life of Jesus, it's interesting how often Jesus was interrupted. Most of his ministry happened while he was trying to do other things. Most of his significant miracles happened as interruptions into his life. When other people stepped into his life, disturbed the status quo, and he had to move to meet their need. Don't overlook the power of interruptions in your life. Some of your greatest ministry opportunities may come when you least expect them. And rather than letting the interruptions make us impatient, we need to look for God's purpose in the interruption. That'll help us to bear the fruit of patience. Another reason is inconveniences. Inconvenience. Americans hate to be delayed. And so traffic jams, road construction, accidents, flat tires, we're, we're, we're all in a hurry to get somewhere. And when we encounter a delay on the way, the first thing we lose is our patience. And the next thing we lose is our temper because of inconveniences. Uh, have you noticed how in, impatient people become in airports? You know, I travel enough that it, it's just really fascinating to me that if a flight is delayed, even a few minutes, some people just freak out. I mean, it's just, and I always chuckle at that because when my ancestors came to America, my, my family came here in 1854, Jacob and Susanna Walter, they came from Switzerland, they came with their 12 kids, and it took them several weeks to cross uh, the Atlantic, weeks. And then uh, it, it took them two months to travel from Pennsylvania, where, where they first landed. It took them um, two months to travel to Iowa. I mean, you know, back in those days, if you missed the stagecoach, it was no big deal because there'd be another one next week. Okay? So nobody was impatient. But, but today, we, we are just so impatient if we're inconvenient. And it's funny because as, as the devices that serve to uh, uh, give us convenience. And we have all these things that aid our convenience. The more of those we get, it's like the more irritated we get with life. We got microwaves and TV dinners and fast food drive through windows and, 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 and we just live at this faster and faster pace and instead of life becoming easier, we've just become more impatient. Next time you're stuck in traffic, just, just remember this. I mean, you're sitting there in a padded seat with an air conditioner, listen to the radio or talking on your telephone. And you're not stuck in some desert oasis or somewhere in the middle of Kansas drinking sulfur water out of the ditch. Okay? You're just stuck in your car. Just show some patience. Another reason for impatience is irritations. Irritations. Long lines, uh, you know, occupied bathrooms, neighborhood rock bands. I mean, there's just irritations. Usually irritations come into our life, they're, they're beyond our control. And that's part of what makes, part of what makes them so irritating. Uh, Brian Heisey had more than his share of luck in July, and most of it was bad. When his apartment in Provo, Utah, became flooded from a broken water pipe in the upstairs apartment, the manager told him to go out and rent a water vacuum. <clears throat> that's when he discovered his car had a flat tire. He changed it, then went inside again to phone a friend for help. 
The electric shock he got from the phone so startled him that he inadvertently ripped the phone off the wall, tearing a hole in the sheetrock. Before he could leave the apartment a second time, a neighbor had to kick down the apartment door because water damage had jammed it tight. While all of this was going on, someone stole Heisey's car, but it ran out of gas, so he found it a few blocks away, but he had to push it to the gas station, where he filled up the tank. That evening, Heisey attended a military ceremony at his university. He injured himself severely when he sat on his bayonet, which had been tossed onto the front seat of his car. Doctors were able to stitch up the wound, but no one was able to resuscitate four of Heisey's canaries that were crushed to death by falling plaster in his apartment. After Heisey slipped on the wet carpet and badly injured his tailbone, he began to wonder if God wanted me dead but just kept missing. <laughs> Irritations in life can cause us to lose our patience. Uh, but irritations are also opportunities to bear fruit. If we crucify the flesh, walk in step with the Spirit. In order for an oyster to make a pearl, it has to start with an irritation. Something has to invade the oyster's shell and, and cause an irritation. And the oyster responds to that irritation by secreting juices around it that eventually uh, harden into a pearl. And the same may be true in your life. It's irritations, those things that invade your shell and cause you to respond not with the fleshly act of impatience, but you respond with the fruit of the Spirit. And when you respond in the Spirit, you turn that irritation into a jewel. You turn it into something valuable in your life. You turn it into a kingdom inheritance. We become impatient due to inactivity inactivity. Uh, we, we hate to wait. But statisticians tell us that we will spend six months of our lives waiting at red lights. Have you noticed the difference in patience level between the first person waiting at the light and all the people waiting behind them? There's, there's just a difference. You know, when the light turns green, it's like the first guy in line is shocked that that happened. It's like they forgot what we were all waiting for. Okay? But as soon as the light turns green, everybody behind the guy turns red. I mean, the guy can't move fast enough for everybody else behind him. You know, we admire patience in the driver behind us, but not in the driver in front of us. Uh, health professionals have discovered a, a whole new disease. It's called hurry sickness hurry sickness and uh, the symptoms uh, are often seen when people are waiting for an elevator um, because yeah they're hitting the like hitting the button 12 more times is going to make it get there get there faster so in the flesh we tend toward impatience but the fruit of the spirit is patience just like the, the fruit of the Spirit is God's love, not our love, and just like the fruit of the Spirit that's joy is God's joy, not our happiness, and just like the fruit of the Spirit that, that's peace is God's peace, not something we create or, or come up with from ourselves, the same is true with patience. The fruit of the Spirit is God's patience. It's not our patience. 
We're not talking about a patience that we muster up from out of ourselves. We're talking about the fruit of patience, a gift of patience that comes from walking in step with God's Spirit. So, you know, when you're impatient, and maybe you've heard, had that prayer request, maybe in your family or in your small group, something, you know, I just, I'm praying for patience. The truth is, we don't need more patience. We need more Spirit. We don't need more patience. We need more of the Holy Spirit. Because patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Not your patience, God's patience. So we're going to look uh, tonight, and in your small group this week, we're going to look at what the Bible says about God's patience. God's patience. First, and this one may be a little surprising, God's patience has a limit. I wanted to start with this one because it's, it's a little surprising. You know, we, we tend to think that God's patience is unending, that God's going to be patient with us forever. But, but you look at Genesis 6.3. This, this, Genesis 6.3, this comes right in the story of Noah and the flood. The earth has gotten so evil. And, and God is announcing, you know, it, it's gotten so bad, I'm going to have to destroy it. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His, that's, he's referring to Noah, his days will be 120 years. God's saying, I, I'm going to allow the people of Noah's days 120 years. I'll give them 120 years to turn from their sinful ways. Because the world had become so evil, they had gotten so far away from God, that God wasn't going to put up with them forever. My spirit will not contend with man forever. Judgment was coming. So God says, I'm going, to give, I'm going to give you 120 years, and that's it. And 120 years seems like a long time, but it was 120 years. It wasn't 121. It wasn't 122. Eventually, time ran out. God's patience reached its limit, and the flood water swept across the earth, and everything and everyone was destroyed. You know, God shows his great patience with us as well. He, he's, given us, he's given us time to quit living our way. He's given us time to quit pursuing the acts of the flesh. He's given us time to become unstuck, to begin bearing the fruit of the Spirit. God's patient. But his patient, patience has a limit. So don't press your luck with God's patience. You can't see God's stopwatch. Uh, your time may be running out. I mean, yes, God's patient, but he's not going to contend with your sinful behavior forever. There comes a time when, when, when God's done waiting. He's waiting for you to clean up your act, and instead, he acts. He moves because he's done waiting for you. Now, we've got to balance that truth with the next one, and that is that God's patience is long-suffering. Uh, you know, throughout uh, the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, uh, we, we see descriptions of how, how God dealt so patiently with the Israelites when they disobeyed. In, in Nehemiah, he, he describes how God led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, and he was offering them the promised land. And then 917 says, they refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. They didn't want to follow God anymore. They want to go back to Egypt and be slaves. But you are a forgiving God, gracious 
and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Therefore, you did not desert them. I mean, seeing how God continued to be faithful, to be patient with his people, despite their sin, despite their stiff-necked rebellion, it's just amazing. And in spite of our repeated failings, our pride, our stubbornness, God is always ready to pardon. Always ready to pardon. And the Holy Spirit is always ready to correct and instruct and to release his power in our life so we can become unstuck and break free. But as God corrected and chastened and disciplined Israel, we we see the extent of God's forgiveness and God's faithfulness. God will let you pursue acts of the flesh. God will even let you inflict significant damage on yourself. But there comes a point when God's patience runs out. But when God's patience runs out, he still acts in our best interest. The the discipline that we experience because of our rebellion, the discipline is for our benefit. The correction that God brings into our life is is for our own good. God's patience is long-suffering. Next, God's patience should not be taken for granted. Joshua 23, 16, he says, as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. He says, if you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods, remember one of the, the fruit of the, or the acts of the flesh is idolatry. You go and serve other gods and bow down to them. The Lord's anger will burn against you. And you will quickly perish from the good land he has given you. I mean, that's a, a chilling prediction that God made that... that was fulfilled in in the reality of the nation of Israel. I mean, numerous times in the book of Joshua, we we see what Israel had to suffer because of their failure to follow God wholeheartedly. Actions have consequences. When you pursue the acts of the flesh, there there are consequences. Don't take God's patience for granted. And God was supremely loving and patient with Israel, just like he is with us. But don't confuse his patience with an approval or, with, or indifference to your sin. I mean, there comes a point where the Lord's anger can burn against you. If you choose to go your own way, pursue acts of the flesh, eventually you get your way along with all the painful consequences that come from it. Just because God is patient doesn't mean that you're not going to experience the consequences of your behavior, both the physical consequences and the spiritual consequences. That's why Paul says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, God is patient, but when you start squandering your inheritance... By pursuing the flesh instead of the spirit, there's a consequence for that. Yes, you're still God's child, but you have reduced your inheritance. You have reduced your reward. It costs you something to pursue the flesh. It's interesting, when when you see this tension between our impatience and God's patience, uh, when you see it in the context of the loss of inheritance, uh, the, the story of the prodigal son It's just amazing in in Luke 15 how these principles just play out in that very familiar story. 
It says, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. There's impatience. I want right now what's coming to me. That's inheritance. So the father divided up the property between them. It wasn't long, there's impatience again, before the younger son packed his bags, there's inheritance, and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. He pursued the acts of the flesh. After he had gone through all his money, he squandered the inheritance. It's gone. It's gone. There's no way to get it back. Once an inheritance is gone, it's gone. I mean, you may be able to get more inheritance, but you've lost what you've lost forever. I mean, you may, you may replace it, but you won't have both because you lost one. There's a limit to it. It says, there was a bad famine all throughout that country, and he began to hurt. Pursuing the flesh eventually causes pain. He began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. He's come to the end of himself. He's come to the end of his own resources, and he's come to the end of everyone else's resources as well. No one wants to help him. No one wants to help him. Because what's the point? What's the point in helping him? You help him at this point, now he's just wasting your resources. Big difference between this story and the story of the Good Samaritan. Remember, in the Good Samaritan, the Samaritan is praised for helping a person in need. He's praised for helping the hurting person. Here, no one wants to help the prodigal son. What's the difference? Well, in the Good Samaritan, the person in need had been wounded by others. That's why he needed to be helped by others. And the prodigal son, his wounds are self-inflicted. That's why others refuse to help him. Because you can't help him while he's still hurting himself. Notice what, what coming to the end of his resources, coming to the end of everyone else's resources does for the prodigal. It says, that brought him to his senses. That brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day. And here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got up and went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him, his heart pounding. He ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. See, the prodigal thinks he's lost his sonship. I don't deserve to be called your son again. But he hasn't lost his sonship. He's just squandered his inheritance. Father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. 
God's patience is an expression of his love. In Luke 15, there's two uh, stories before the story of the prodigal. Uh, There's the the story where the person is looking for the lost coin, and they're looking for the lost sheep. And then the parable of of the lost son, the prodigal son. But in in the story of the coin and the sheep, those were things that couldn't return by themselves. You know, there's nothing they could do to help themselves. So they had to be sought by their owner. But in the story of the prodigal son, the father watched and waited for the son to come to the end of himself and then choose to return as a result of the consequences. The father's dealing with a human being who, with a will of his own, and so he didn't go chasing after the son until the son had come to the end of himself. But the father's ready. He's ready to greet his son if he returned. Same way. God's love is constant. It is patient. It is welcoming. God will search for us and give us opportunities to respond, but he's not going to force us to come to him. Like the father in this story, God just waits patiently for us to come to our senses. So how are you doing in the area of patience? Have you gotten stuck in the acts of the flesh that come from impatience? Have you been pursuing the acts of the flesh and squandering your inheritance? God longs for you, his child, his son, his daughter, to come to the end of yourself and turn to him. And when you do that, God promises to release his power into your life, his fruit into your life. And he'll give you the patience you so desperately need. Let's pray together. God, we just recognize tonight that we don't need more patience. We need more spirit. And so we come tonight and and we just confess our sin. We confess our bent toward the acts of the flesh. We, We confess our wandering and squandering like the prodigal. And God, tonight, it's our desire that we would become your child through our faith in Christ. That as we yield our life to you and as Christ forgives us of our sin, that we would, we would find the power to become your child. And that we would find the power to walk with the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit, to crucify, set aside the acts of the flesh. God, it's our desire that we just, we just build up an inheritance for the kingdom, that we build up an inheritance that not, not only benefits us, but brings glory to you, our Father. God, despite our interruptions, our inconveniences, our irritations, our, our inactivity, God, we would pray that the fruit of the Spirit's patience would be evident in our life. For we ask it in Jesus' name.